will join me in 1 Peter chapter 5. And today we're going to talk about humility and hope. I'm going to state the obvious as we get started this morning. We live in a very challenging and troubling time. You already knew that when you came today. But this global pandemic grinds on. And then we have the news out of Afghanistan, which is grieving us. We think about servicemen and women, lives lost. We think about Afghan believers stuck there, already a difficult place to follow Jesus, but then now even more difficult and risky. And we're just gripped by concern for, for what's happening there. And, and then, of course, that overshadowed something else that happened. In Haiti, over 2,000 people died in an earthquake there, and we barely noticed. And I have other things in my notes that I won't read you because my goal today is not to stress you out. It's the opposite. Just stating the obvious, you already know this. These are troubling, stressful times. But here's the question. How do we live in a world of disappointment and division and death without despair? What do we do with all these anxieties that you and I carry? Two answers from our text today. Stay humble and stay hopeful. Let's go into our text, 1 Peter 5, verses 5 through 7. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So we just illustrated a moment ago in that beginning that something's wrong with the earth. And we know at the heart of that, what's wrong is sinful humanity. Peter's been reminding us that there is suffering on the earth, particular suffering for believers in Jesus Christ. You can and will suffer for the name of Jesus. That's the context here of first Peter. So what do we do in light of that truth? Peter reminds us here, stay humble. Stay humble. And he speaks to us about humility in two different directions. First of all, humble yourselves toward one another. That's the latter part of verse five. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility, here it is, toward one another. So humility is to mark all of our relationships, especially in the church. And so we are to have humility in all of us, and we're to be relating to each other with this same humility. Now, we've seen in our text here just last week how he called out humility in the pastor-church relationship. He spoke to these leaders and everything about it meant that they were to lead, but lead with humility. Remember, we saw that these under-shepherds, these elders or pastors, they are to serve under a chief shepherd. Jesus himself brings humility. These under-shepherds also are to understand that this flock is not their own, The scripture is very clear. This is the flock of God calls for great humility. Then we saw that Peter called it out that there's to be no domineering style of leadership, not to be lording it over those in the church. And then there's a word to the church. He speaks particularly to the young men here in verse five. He says, be subject to the elders. So humility also, then you follow that humble leadership. So the opposite of humility is thinking that you are superior to other people. And that's always false. Now, why might a person be tempted to think they're better than some other people in a local church? 
Well, it could be that a person thinks, well, because of the role that's been entrusted to me, that because of that role, I'm so honored to have it, then therefore I probably am better than other people. And that would be sinful, sinful thinking. Some others might have this idea. Well, it's not that I have a key role. It's just the amount of time I've been here. I mean, I'm so grateful for the new people, but I've been here for all these decades and therefore I am superior. Also sinful thinking. It could be your education. It could be your Bible knowledge. Isn't this church lucky to have me with all my knowledge? My life group, so blessed to have me. That would be arrogant, wrong thinking. But it could be any uh, of a number of things. Maybe a person's wealth. They're just used to going into a room with people being impressed with their wealth and they might think I'm, I'm better than other people. Maybe it's the number of friends you have, but any of that would be arrogance, ungodly pride. It would be detrimental to the health of the church. Now, let me pause here and tell you this. I've been meditating on this and, and I cannot think of a single man or woman in the church that needs to hear that message right there. So it's not like I'm hoping somebody in these three morning services, man, I hope, I hope he, I hope he's listening no, I can't really. It's a wonderful thing as a pastor of a church. I cannot think of a single member of this church who is operating out of arrogance and pride. Now, if I, if I, if that were not true, I wouldn't even brought that up in the sermon. I'm just telling you, I would have been privately thinking we got to deal with this, but that doesn't mean we check out here because isn't pride one of those subtle sins. I mean, it's one of those things that we think we're doing well and all of a sudden, oh, that I didn't realize that was there. So I'm trusting that each of us are searching our hearts, asking God to expose. Are there any ways, Lord, that maybe I have become entitled I mean, it's probably not in any way that's noticeable to others, but are there ways in which I think because of who I am that I am entitled to a little more say than other people have their say? I don't know. It could be very subtle, but thank the Lord by his grace, this isn't a glaring problem here and may it, may it never be until Jesus comes again. James in his letter talked about the sin of partiality where the people in the church could see somebody wealthy and go, hey, let's give that guy a prime seat and to the poor guy, will you sit over here? We were to avoid the sin of partiality ranking others higher. Listen, let's also check the heart. Let's make sure we don't inadvertently rank ourselves higher than we should. Paul talked about humility lots, but how about Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4? Listen to this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is huge. So we're just talking about what do we do in a world like this? We stay humble. And Peter first talks to us about being humble in our relationships with each other. Now, the ultimate remedy for pride in us in any arrogance is the gospel. It's constantly reminding ourselves of the gospel. So do you see how this strips away your pride or thinking you're better? When you're never getting past the fact that you were a mess when Jesus found you so full of sin, so deserving of condemnation when you know that about yourself and that Jesus in mercy rescued you from you and the judgment to come and he saved you. When you're, when you're so full of that gratitude for the grace of God, then you operate by grace in your relationships with other people. So, so humble yourselves with each other, but here's another layer of humility. Humble yourselves under God. In fact, that's where you get the humility to deal with other people with humility, it's when you first have humbled yourself under God. Look at what Peter says here in verse six. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. Peter here in this context quotes that familiar passage that God opposes the proud, catch that. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And that same truth echoes throughout the scripture. 
Proverbs 15, 25. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but maintains the widow's boundaries. Or Psalm 138, verse 6. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Or James 4, 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then Jesus' words in Matthew 23, 12. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Did you hear that? That God will bring down those who exalt themselves. He will humble them. Most notably, the person who never humbles himself to receive Jesus Christ. Like the idea that I am so good on my own, I don't need a savior. Hear the arrogance of that. I didn't need the cross to happen for me. I'm fine by myself. The person who won't humble themselves, if they exalt themselves like that, then God says, I will humble them. But notice also there is that warning, but there is a promise to the children of God that there's exaltation for the child of God who has humbled himself or herself. That at the proper time, God will exalt you. So at the time of Jesus' coming, that he will humble others, but he will, he will certainly raise up his people in resurrection and reward. Right now, God's people may be suffering, but they are destined for glorification and celebration. That right now, we embrace our roles as exiles on the earth, but we are destined for home with the Lord forever. So be encouraged. He will exalt you at the proper time. Now, what an encouraging word for us, but can you imagine how encouraging for those first readers that Peter was writing to? There they are in the Roman Empire, first century, already being treated as second-class citizens in the empire, already misunderstood. Hasn't, it used, hasn't he used the word several times, maligned? They're already being maligned. He's used the word suffering a lot, and so they're suffering. And we know that under Nero, the suffering is about to ramp up, and so suffering is to come. And so here is this truth. You're right now going through that as an exile for Christ, but you will be exalted at the proper time. So we know that's why we should humble ourselves because we will be exalted and that's our rightful place. But here's the question. How do we clothe ourselves with humility toward one another? How do we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God? Well, most notably, I think the answer to that is by prayer and faithfully following the Lord. One of the best expressions of humility in your life is prayer. And one of the worst expressions of your pride is a lack of prayer. That I, I have this on my own. So prayer is bowing before God in submission. It's presenting yourself to the Lord as a living sacrifice. It's getting up in the morning and opening up the word of God to get into his presence where you lay it all down. So where you're reading the scriptures and you're responding to the scriptures and then you might do this. You have other passages that you might pray through that remind you, oh yeah, I need to humble myself. I need to submit myself to the Lord. There's something about doing that in the morning where you're, you're reporting for duty. You're laying it all down. You're asking the Lord, you're saying, I'm emptying myself and I'm asking you, Lord, to fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might be led by you. So, so we humble ourselves in his presence. You might consider this, Lord, I wanna humble my mind before you. So you can't say that you've humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God if you are at odds with the scripture. If you're saying, I know your Bible says that, but I just don't believe that. 
me and my friends, we, we, we look at it differently than that. You have not humbled yourself. So in the presence of God, humble your mind. Lord, your word is truth. I hear the chatter of the culture. I hear the chatter of my friends. They are wrong. You are right. I humble my mind here as I take up your word and pray. How about this? How about your affections? Lord, I give you my heart and I could crave a lot of things, but you are first in my life. You are the treasure and the joy of my life, the satisfaction of my life. I pursue you. Or how about your will? Lord, here in your presence, I, I lay everything down. You lead me. As Jesus prayed, not my will, but yours be done. We're just talking about how, how do I humble myself under the mighty hand of God? How do I clothe myself with humility? I don't know any other way than in the presence of God, making that a regular rhythm of your life, a daily rhythm. All you, all you emptied of me, I'm dead, you're alive in me. That's how we do it. So, so we turn away from pride. And it does begin by humbling yourself and asking Jesus to be your savior because you know now you need a savior. Jesus, I need you to save me, forgive me for so many sins. Humble yourself in the fellowship. Clothe yourself with humility here where you do regard other people's opinions ahead of your own. That I'm considering other people. I'm treating other people as more important than me. That's what the scripture calls for. And even serving in the body, taking that gift God has given you and you're serving within the body. Now, how, how important is this? It's critically important. He says he opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Couldn't be more important. But we see it even in the life of Paul. Remember, it wasn't so long ago we went through 2 Corinthians and we got to chapter 12 and all that great teaching. And Paul gave us that teaching about his thorn in the flesh. Remember that? And Paul said there was something in his life that he called a thorn in the flesh and he begged God to take it from him three times. And God left it right there, whatever that difficulty was. But, but Paul came to understand. He said it was there to keep me from exalting myself. He says it twice there. To keep me from exalting myself, I was given this thorn in the flesh. That's how critical it is. God can use adversity in our lives to humble us, to remind us that we need him. We were not designed to live this life on our own. And so we are to stay humble. But secondly, we're to stay hopeful. Stay hopeful. Here Peter declares that God cares for us. Our first song this morning, we just sang about how God loves us. Nothing is separated from the love of God. That's great news. And he declares that we can bring all of our concerns and all of our troubles to him. Did you notice verse seven? Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So you can maintain hope and peace when you know that this great God, he cares for you. And when you suffer though, don't we sometimes doubt that he cares for us? We'll be tempted to think, well, he can't possibly care for me if he's letting me go through the ty types of things I'm going through. But listen, do, do you trust him? Look again at verse seven. Underline it if you haven't already. Memorize this verse if you haven't already. God tells you, though you're tempted to believe he doesn't care for you in your suffering, he cares for you. Think about the context of 1 Peter. All that talk of suffering, right there in the midst of this, he tells you God cares for you. So stay humble, believe his word, believe all of his word, but believe this too, that he cares for you. Stay hopeful, believing this word that he cares for you. He has said so. So he doesn't just care for your eternal soul, but aren't you glad he does, but he cares for you daily in those things that are pressing upon you. And he invites you to transfer all the things that concern you onto him. And he said the same thing in the old covenant in Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. 
So why should we cast our cares upon the Lord? First answer is the best one, because he said so. That's the right thing to do with all of our concerns. We are to take them to him. But this also is an acknowledgement of our weakness and our dependence upon him. Isn't this another expression of humility? When we acknowledge, yeah, I can't, I can't handle this. I was never intended to. I'm giving this to you. That is a moment of humility and hope. Also, this is an expression of our faith in his strength that you can handle this. So think about that, that all the things that are pressing upon you and all the things that are pressing upon me, that our God says, I want those from you. Cast those on me. That must mean that God is capable of handling them. So I can't even handle the list of things. In fact, this morning I was thinking, I got nine things, just real quickly. I'm sure there are 900 more, but I can think of nine fasts of, of concerns that I'm carrying right now. Just, I'm so used to them, but I thought, I'm gonna count them. I bet you have nine or 90 or something. And our great God says, I want all of those. You, you were not designed to carry those things. And clearly God's declaring, and I can handle those things. So you need to know that about yourself, that you need the chief shepherd that we read about earlier here in chapter five. You need Jesus himself. But let me also remind you, you need the flock of God, that God has given you people around you. This is the Christian life, not on our own trying to solve our problems, but we have a great God who says, give me, give me your concerns. But he puts you in a body of believers where, as the scripture says, we are to bear one another's burdens. So let me ask you, do you ever feel anxious? dumb question, but you do feel anxious. Now let's talk about these anxieties moment. Some of them, if we're being honest, some of them are self-induced. You ever procrastinated and you just wreck yourself? You're like, I know that deadline's coming. I don't feel like it. And it just gets closer. I don't feel like it. Well, then then you, you get yourself into a full-on panic because of a decision you made to not decide. I'm just going to put that off. And so we certainly don't want to do that to ourselves. We don't want to make this casting our cares kind of a cop-out because we do have in our Bible, the book of Proverbs that says we're supposed to work hard and to be wise. And we do have Colossians that says we're supposed to work as unto the Lord. And we do have second Thessalonians that those who don't work shouldn't eat. So, so we have that push to be wise, but let's, let's also notice that so many of the things that concern us really are beyond our control. No matter how well we've planned, no matter how much we prayed, like I, that, that's still a big uncertainty in my life. And now I'm very tempted to fret about that. And so Jesus would remind us though that a lot of our worries are because of a lack of faith. I want you to hear the words of our savior. It's Matthew 6, 25 and following. Hear these with me. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Did you hear here, Jesus, how he links together our humility and our hope and peace? Hear it again. This is, this is Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's humility. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. So, so much of our worry, if we think about it, is really a form of pride, isn't it? It's when we take responsibility for things that really are God's responsibility. It's putting ourselves in his role. He, he is the ultimate provider. He's the ultimate protector. And when I begin to worry about that, that, that I'm putting myself in his lane. What if your child did that? If you're a parent, you had a young child and they just were racked with concern about your provision for them. You would feel very sad for them and you would try to tenderly minister to them in that concern. But on some level, you'd also be a little bit offended. Like, I've got this. This is my responsibility. I want you to be a child. I want you to just kind of enjoy growing up. You're, you'll have these concerns soon enough. But let me handle this. And likewise, when you and I fret and worry and are anxious about the things that are clearly God's, then there is some pride in that. So are you suffering from intense anxiety? Listen, cast that upon the Lord. Be sure you're not taking responsibility for the things that are his. Now, I want you to notice this with me too. This, this passage, this truth applies to real anxieties and concerns. The context of 1 Peter was not, hey, when you can't find your keys and you're flipping out, this is it. Now, I do want to say this applies to that too, because he says, cast all your cares upon him, all of them. But 1 Peter, context is suffering. So I think about our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Is this a word for them? This is a word for them. This was written in a context more like that than, than more like this. And, and so can our brothers and sisters stay humble? I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep trusting God. Can they cast those cares upon the Lord? Absolutely. And let's pray that this truth and whatever else they're seeing in the word, that they will be encouraged by these truths. So in faith, let's stay humble under the mighty hand of God. In faith, let's stay hopeful, casting all of our anxieties upon the Lord because he cares for us. So in your many anxieties, this is your move too. Whether your anxieties are economic or their health, whether your anxieties are relationships or maybe some beginning of persecution where you work, or maybe it's one of those 1,000 what ifs that bombard our minds from time to time, same call, humble yourself and be hopeful. He cares for you. So I don't know that anybody told me to memorize this verse. I'm not sure it's been so long ago now, decades ago that I did memorize this verse. And I can tell you that I've employed this verse thousands of times through the years. I've needed that truth. Cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. I've, I've needed that. I've told you before that I often, not often, multiple times a year, Something will wake me up in the middle of the night and it's two or three in the morning and I'll have a what if concern right in my mind and it gets stuck in there. And this is my move right here. And in fact, you'll, you'll, I'll just full disclosure, last night was one of those nights. I had this in my notes to tell you that sometimes I have a 3 a.m. what if battle. And so last night about 3 a.m. I'm, I'm going through one of those and I'm thinking, oh no, 
I'm getting ready to tell them this now, now so I got to practice what I preach. <laughs> Last night, this morning. And so sure enough, something's in there. And I know this, it never makes sense at two or three in the morning. I know that. But nevertheless, it seems larger than it is. Woke up feeling fine. But it was that moment to put into practice. So here's the move. Lord, I cast this care upon you. So in prayer, I give it to you. If you're like me, sometimes I take it right back. <laughs> I cast this care upon you. And two seconds later, there I am still stewing on the same thing. No, 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 no. No, Lord, I, I give that to you. And in that reminder, Lord, here's, here's the greatest act of faith I can give you right now is I'm just going to turn over and I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to demonstrate by my sleep that you have this and you don't need my help. And, and that's what I did. I wish I could tell you it was instant. It wasn't instant, but praise God for this. Listen, we have those things that bombard our minds, but we can find peace in prayer, turning it over to the Lord. Don't you love Philippians 4, 6, and 7? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Here it is. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So brother, sister, cast your cares upon the Lord. And let me give you one more word of encouragement. And if you need to, call on a brother or sister in Christ. You do have a God who wants to take these from you, who has everything that you need. Trust in him, cast it. But God has also given you people around you. And there is that exhortation to bear one another's burdens. And I want to encourage you to do that. You know, one of the best things about talking to a, a fellow Christian in the church is sometimes you can find out, is what I'm experiencing normal? I mean, there are things called anxiety disorders that are just kind of out of the norm and and. And if you haven't talked to somebody about what you're going to eat, I think this is excessive. I need to talk to somebody. You know, maybe you reach out, use that connection card and set up a time to talk with one of our pastors. And just say, here's, here's what I'm going through. Would you just pray with me? We also have this beautiful counseling ministry. And you can go to smrbccounseling at gmail.com or, or use our connection card. We'll route you to that. Just to sit down. Hey, this is what I'm going through in the realm of anxiety and fears. Is this, you know, is this all right? <laughs> Or what would you recommend? I think that's beautiful. So cast your cares upon the Lord and reach out to our brother and sister as a part of that if you need to. But here in this world, we know we have many reasons why we could be fretting, many reasons why we might have depressive thoughts, but we also have many reasons to remain humble and hopeful. Let's close by hearing these words again. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Let's pray.